Welcome to the Final Girls podcast, where we only like kids when they're killing each other on a remote island. I'm Anna Bogutska, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, welcome. We're now entering a new phase in our teen horror season. We've done the granddaddies of slasher films from the 70s and 80s. We've done the golden age of 90s teen horror. And now we are going to be talking about films from the new millennium. Before we dive into our episode this week... The quick regular reminder you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Final Ghost UK. And as good millennial girls, we also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash The Final Girls. If you enjoy this podcast, please do consider taking a minute, 30 seconds of your day to leave us a review, which I will then read and either be completely depressed for a day or very excited that people actually listen to the show. <laughs> I am joined in this episode by a regular guest, Isora Barber-Brown, a writer and actress, to dive into Battle Royale, the Japanese film that spawned too many copycats to count, influenced countless films, TV series and video games, was banned in many a country for a very long time, and became a whole part of our lexicon. Despite coming out in the year 2000, Kinji Fukasako's teen horror film has become a modern classic that continues influencing pop culture to this day. Please note, as per usual, all of our discussions are spoiler heavy pretty much from the start. So if you haven't watched Battle Royale ever, just stop listening to this right now and go watch it. It is an essential film. And... If you haven't watched it in a little while, we will be going into details, but we do recap the film a little bit at the start. Please also keep in mind that particularly in this episode, we talk quite graphically about teen-on-teen violence and have conversations about scenes that depict suicide in case that is something that you might want to avoid. With all of that said, please enjoy our take on Battle Royale. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast to talk on this fine, crispy January morning <laughs> to talk with me oh about God, kids murdering January. kids. Yes, just to talk about a little kid on kid violence. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here as usual. So to to kick off, and and we're only going to be talking about this film. It's been a couple of kind of double bill episodes, so uh-huh. I'm excited to actually properly dig into just one film, especially Battle Royale, because this has has so had such a massive influence and just does not get any less fun or any less violent, no matter how many years have passed since it was made. Right. So what is your relationship with Battle Royale and and what was it like for you revisiting it? Um, So I first saw it, um, which is now becoming a common theme with me in the sense of it was I was a teen and some other teen was like, you should watch this film. I had like a VHS of it or something. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I was an older teen. I was like maybe 16 or 17 because it came out when I was 14. I obviously didn't see it in the cinema. Um, and I remember it being that kind of thing. I think it was like one of the first ever like Japanese films I saw. Mm-hmm. Probably. Maybe even the first ever. Oh, cool. Um, and it was one of those feelings of feeling quite grown up to see a film that was like this brutal but also in Japanese like subtitles like just a different kind of film to like Mm -hmm. a film I was used to watching at that age and it definitely made me feel um very sophisticated like when my friends would be like um oh yeah I saw this movie I was like oh you watch movies how quaint like I watch cinema I actually watch films um we would have been friends in high school yeah it's like, oh, you just watch American films? Well, you know, oh, I saw really? this, like... it's so interesting. The subtitles. Like, cinema. Like, foreign cinema. So, um, it definitely had that feeling of being very grown up. Um, watching, it didn't feel like... Even horrors I'd seen at that point. Even, like, teen slashes I'd seen at that point. It felt more mature and different. It felt more layered and deeper and more brutal than the, te- the teen horrors I was used to seeing. So it felt very, immediately felt very special to me. Um, and I loved it. And it was one of those films at that age I talked about a lot, which was kind of was one of the markers or the, one of the starts of my uh, my tastes. You know, like uh, suddenly you explore other things because you've seen this film. Um, and it kind of was one of the first ones that I was like, oh, I like also these kinds of films apparently and I don't know it kind of was a I don't want to say awakening that sounds quite dramatic but it was like a <laughs> like a a first taste of something I knew like I liked that I didn't know I liked before yes and and why did it feel so different from the other teen horrors that you'd seen up until that point or even now still um I think it is the it holds to quite quite a lot of realism obviously I know like the whole concept is based in you know quite dystopian idea of the world or of a country but um actually them as characters mm-hmm. and actually the deaths and stuff and how scared they are and how they react to it is, is kept within realism mm-hmm. and um it's really brutal and I think that's what it, the difference is, is that you can watch most slashes like, or teen horrors, which tend to be slashes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're making silly choices and um, it's that thing of someone like hunting them and, and the idea of them killing each other and them feeling like they have no choice and being scared and wanting to survive but not knowing what to do just gives it a more it's more bleak mm-hmm. <laughs> but also um it just means that there's more connection to them or more sympathy or like you have for them mm-hmm. um because they're not just like running around being idiots um it's not like a fun ride in the same way that i think other teen horrors are it's still a fun movie but it's um not every it's not, not every death is like meant to be like super entertaining some of it is just meant to be really upsetting mm-hmm. and brutal and even their backstories like even that some of it's really dark well a lot of their backs was quite dark so yeah I think that's what it is it's like darker and bleaker and more brutal 
I think for me, it's that thing that you that you alluded to of they're not like the the teenagers in kind of American teen slasher films or other slasher films because those films are designed for you to kind of expect the kills and root for the kills in one way or another. Sure, you're rooting for someone to survive because that's mm-hmm. kind of what we've been, that's the narrative that we're very used to. But here, you're kind of rooting for them all to survive, but also you want, you start picking favorites as you're watching the film and who your favorite might be might change when you, when you rewatch the film. Like my favorite certainly changed from this rewatching it this time around versus the, the first couple times that I watched it. And then you're kind of rooting for that one kid, but that also means that you're rooting for everyone else to die and for them yeah. to become a murderer. So exactly. it's this really complicated kind of, um, connecting with the characters but also here they are actually kind of completely on their own so most of the kids in the teen horror films are usually like either ignored by the parents or maybe the parents are just not around to help or they're unable to help and here every single adult is part of this game where they where they're pitting these kids against each other and like or sometimes literally murdering kids straight up so it's completely they're completely on their own. And it also reminded me of this. I don't know if you if you used to do this as a kid, but I have like this uh, vivid imagination and would sometimes like play these these sort of games, either, well, I was an only kid, so either by myself. I know it's a bit sad, but still. Or like with um with other kids where you get like real intense. You know, like how when you're a kid and you make up a game, you get really intense about the rules yeah. and what's what's right and what isn't and what's fair game and what isn't. Or yeah. like the playground games, like when you're just chasing, I don't know. I don't remember what they were called, but like I remember there was a lot of chasing people around and yeah. a lot of like go-go's and shit like that. And people would get very into it. And I just have this sense about Battle Royale as well as I was rewatching. It's like, it, it's got that kid-like obsession with either figuring out the rules or breaking the rules. Yeah. This real kind of dogged intensity about it. And if anything kind of goes against this little this little rule book or anti-rule book that they build, they go absolutely apeshit. Yeah. Yeah. They lose it the minute, yeah, the minute something steps outside of, they're just, they don't, which reiterate, like, it's, it's, that's what's nice about it, that they're actually kids. Mm-hmm. And they, even, even in this extreme situation, they've been giving the set of rules, they're like, okay. And then they figured out in their little factions, like, this is how we handle this. And the minute something goes outside of that, just like, wow, it's just all that panic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it's like, yeah, because I don't even think I'd even got to the point of like even working within the rules that exist in the first place. Mm. So do you mean it's it's already really difficult and they found a way to cope. And then the minute that coping is even a little bit threatened, they are like anything could happen, just anything could happen. And it's really, it's really interesting because it's just like, yeah, that everyone's on the edge of being able to do these horrible things to survive mm-hmm. when they're scared the minute they get scared it's like they're actually capable of doing things they never thought they'd be capable of mm-hmm. um because they're so scared and there doesn't seem to be many options but like yeah i know what you mean about the 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 game thing and it being like and it it I, because they have the three days it's that kind of feeling of like up until that up until it's really crucial mm-hmm. i feel like more people can hold it together in the first day and the second day because maybe you believe that you can figure something out 
maybe it won't actually happen. Like they said, it's because that didn't mean. So I think mm-hmm. it was easy. It's easier, and it gets harder and harder as the days go on because it's just like, well, we're getting closer and closer to that final point now. Um, yeah. So let's let's kind of um, go back to to basics for a second, and kind of can you mm-hmm. try and and summarize the plot of Battle Royale for anyone who might have seen it and then kind of doesn't remember that much about it? So um, I think. It's interesting that at the beginning, the whole of Japan is going through like economic crisis, and the kids are—I don't know—out of control. <laughs> the kids are frustrated, basically, and the kids are kind of not going to school, um, and they're blaming like teenage delinquency on a lot of these issues. They don't really see the connection, but that's apparently the the problem. And so they come up with this. Um, it's called the BR Act. Um, battle royale act where they pick a class so a whole class of children from a random school um and they send them to this island so in this film we see one of the girl from the last winner of this come back from the island and she's just like a terrifying bloody splug so little girl like carrying a teddy so but our class that we follow throughout the film um we see them going on a school trip they're on a coach and at some point they all get gassed they all pass out and then they're taken to this island and you're launched into it like immediately. This, the first part is maybe like 50 minutes mm-hmm. like to get to set up the story. And um, they find themselves in this like classroom of this abandoned school with their old teacher who had previously been stabbed by one of the classmates in the like leg or butt or whatever. And he's there running the show today and they get played a video of this incredibly perky girl explaining the horrifying and terrifying rules of this game which lasts three days um they all have collars around their neck which monitors that have microphones in that you can hear everything they're saying and also monitors their heartbeat and also tracks them around this island um they have three days to try and kill everyone else or try and be the last one to survive at the very least um and if there's more than one person alive by the last day everyone's little necklace explodes there's also danger zones so the whole island is they give them a map that has a grid system on it and they give them squares every day or every like few hours every day to tell them what areas are danger zones if you're caught in a danger zone after a certain time your necklace will also explode um so there's lots of perils they get a bag that has like some basic needs and a weapon but your weapon might be like binoculars yeah So some people like get an axe or like a gun and some people are like, here's a fan. Yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) So real, (laughs) real luck of the draw. Um, And it's brutal and that's it. And then they're not given anyone who argues at the beginning, like gets immediately taken care of. Um, So they're, they're, they're forced to toe the line really early on. And then they're just sent out into the, into the wilderness to try and survive and these three days um and yeah that's it and it's really really brutal like from the off and i mean well done but also i one of the things that really struck me this time around rewatching is that it not only does it like throw us into the action straight away but it also throws us into a whole bunch of characters that are introduced very quickly and kind of most of them just going to take their bag, their guns or their fans and just run away. And then you, you spend a bit more time with everyone as the film progresses. But did you find it, um, considering that also 
anyone can die at any time or get killed or or kill themselves or um just slip and accidentally die as well. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find it easy to to get attached to some of the characters? Well, I think they're quite good at like Oh, this is gonna be a really mean thing to say, but clearing the fodder like at the beginning, which is <laughs> I don't mean Oh my god. <laughs> I just mean in terms of narrowing it down to our main cast. Fuck like, those kids is what you're saying. <laughs> the, film, the film says fuck those kids. Um they're very they're very quick at cleaning like clearing the chaff from the week. They're like we're, we're gonna make it very obvious who our main cast is really early mm-hmm. we're gonna clear a lot of the people because it's 30 kids mm-hmm. so they're like we're gonna get rid of a huge chunk of them so that you know who are who our main players are who's gonna be significant here um <laughs> so i think they're and they give them like and even though that it does feel like they're getting rid of them quite quickly they still give you enough of them that you're like, oh, this is brutal. So like one of the first people to die is obviously Nobu, who's mm-hmm. the kid who, he was in foster care. He We see him at the beginning stab the, the teacher who ends up be running the show um, on the island. Takeshi Kitano, um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, he doesn't seem like a bad kid, just kind of like, you know, he's had a hard time. He's disillusioned. He's unhappy and mm-hmm. he's arguing he's like trying to fight this whole time in this room rather than listening and so he's like neck thing goes off so he's like whole neck blows out and you're like oh my god so that's he's a character we know because we start with him on the coach mm-hmm. and so we know a little bit more about him so he's one of the people that feels a bit like a main character from the start mm-hmm. and he dies like immediately so i think it's very good at being like oh anyone could die mm-hmm. and kind of being a bit like yes there are gonna be people that we put front and center but they could also die um a girl gets he throws a knife at this girl's head like oh I my mean, god it's incredible <laughs> throw. yeah like in the beginning and yes. um she like dies immediately and then you get stuff like so when he first walks out there's a girl with an arrow through her neck then the guy who has the crossbow who accidentally got shot with his own crossbow mm-hmm. and then um you know, a couple of kids kill themselves, which, you know, again, feels quite sad. I think they rely on you watching it going, it's sad because it's teenagers and especially the ones who die early because they've died because it's all happened so quickly and they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They haven't had time to think or plan or do anything. So it's sad for that reason. They've come here and they've not even been given a chance because what chance do you have if you walk out of a building because you're third or fourth or fifth someone already has a weapon and someone can already just like shoot you before you even got your head around what's going on um and i think they rely on that being enough for you to be like oh man this this is like a rough time um and then as as time goes on you get attached like um gradually because they give you little snippets of these people these Mm -hmm. kids like past lives of their lives beforehand so you gradually get more and more attached the more you know about them um and some some of them like uh some characters like uh, mitsuko you get it's like at the very end of her story where you really see like you're like oh man you realize how sad it is actually and you know it's it's really clever to be like this was a person Rather than it being like, here's some teens on this island, you don't really know much about them apart from them, them in this space. It goes, no, this is them in like a normal time, mm-hmm. in, a, in a mundane normal time. This is them. And 
isn't it sad? Like no matter how they've behaved on this island, isn't it sad that they've ended up here? So did you get attached to any characters in particular? I love the lead guy. What's mm-hmm. his name? Um, Shuya, or um, everyone calls him Nanahara. Like yeah. Um, he's adorable. Um, um, and I love Mitsuka. <laughs> I love her. Um, she just a badass. She just, I mean, she just comes out. She's like, well, I'm going to be like, just, I'm just going to be a bad bitch this whole time. That's my plan. Um, she's also on a period the whole time, which I'm like, you know what? <laughs> relatable content <laughs> she's like i don't have time for this like i i'm gonna go on my own she's also dealing I, it's amazing like i just i'm like she's just a powerhouse so i really loved her i love that like i loved her arc i love when you find out like what she's been through at the beginning i'm like yeah man she's like just hurt and she's just trying to protect herself she's just trying to survive um um but yeah i think the yeah nana and mitsuko are my Mm-hmm. Am I? I also love um, who's the orange haired guy? Ka- Kaz- is it Kazuo? Kaz- oh, I always forget his name, but he's the most memorable one for me. And yeah. you know, I know we were texting about this last night. Uh, as as with everything, questionable taste. But you know, it is battle royale. But I'm like, if I was in high school and if I was on that island, I would 100 yeah. percent be crushing on the psychotic orange haired dude. Yeah. If I was in that room and I like at the beginning in the classroom, and he was sitting there like in the shadows, like and he's all. <laughs> He's got a weird suit. Like, I'd be it's like, the fact, oh. It's the suit. Yeah. What teenager wears a suit? What kind of Leo DiCaprio, Romeo, and Juliet like, shit is this? I'm hot, into it. Like, definitely straight out of an anime. He literally <laughs> looks like an anime character. And I'm like, I'm obsessed with this. I'm obsessed with him. Um, and if I was in that room and I'd been like, well, I'm going to try and team up with him and maybe have a relationship. I don't know. Isn't um, he one of the two who also volunteers? So you know that they're absolutely insane. Yeah, he's like a transfer student, right? They call them transfer students. So they volunteer to come. So he just wants to murder people. Yes. <laughs> like, he's definitely not well. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I would have been like, maybe we team up. And like, part of me wishes that him and Mitsuko teamed up because they would have been like just an um, amazing murder power couple. Um, I'd also, I'd like to see that movie where they team up and they're just like, I don't know, going around this island being like, It'll be like what's that film? Natural Born Killers, but but Battle Royale version. Them mm-hmm. two being in love, but also just murdering a bunch of their school friends. I would watch that um, spit off. I would watch that film. <laughs> well, bitch it. But yeah, I so those are the ones that stand out because I think they're just the most mem- memorable. Um, the girl that Nana's with, um, who is Noriko, is very sweet, but just not very like. I don't know. She's not, she's not my favorite. <laughs> like, she's nice. She's very sweet. But so, and, yeah. and, and kind of on that note, aside from the, from the kind of the, the designated hot psychotic one, yeah. um, and this, and the sweet and sad one, kind of what are the teens like in the film? Like, how do they all start behaving when they're put in this, in this game? Um, they are, they act like teens, which I like for the most part. Apart from the more like version of the psychotic ones, most of them are just scared and they just react rather than they're not they're not thinking anything through. They're just reacting to the circumstances around them, and they adapt quickly. But also, it takes them like getting hurt or almost getting killed to be like, oh my god, people are actually going to try and kill me. 
because I think at the beginning there's part of part of them that thinks well my friends won't try and kill me you know these are all kids who know each other like well it's not a bunch of random kids on the island like these are people you know so it's hard to get your head around initially I think that your schoolmate might just be okay with like shooting you in the face so um <laughs> they take a little time to adapt I really like that it gives them space to actually like like find this difficult and need to like figure out what they're doing and what have a plan and try and get it I mean and they're also better than me if someone gave me a map and was like b5 is danger zone I'd be like where the fuck is b5 like I don't I'm not a scout like I don't I would have been I would have definitely been accidentally in a danger zone and died immediately so kudos to them they're really diligent they've they listen to the rules <laughs> they're really good at following them um they're really good at like at least that like staying alive for the main part it's just not knowing how dangerous it actually is outside. And, mm -hmm. and they're quite rightfully like scared and basically basing their decisions on that, on how do we stay alive for the longest? And only a few of them are really like hunting. Most of them are just like, how do I stay alive for the longest time? Um, which I think feels realistic to me. I feel like if you're out hunting, potentially you could get killed too. So most people are just trying to hunker down somewhere and get through it and hope that something happens before the end of the three days mm -hmm. to keep them alive. And there's, you know, there's a gang of cool kids who get immediately like murdered by, by um like anime guy, um, <laughs> like and like they, you know, they form a little gang. I think really cool because they have cool weapons and he just like takes them all out straight yeah. away. Um, there's a gang of girls who kind of um hide away and they live this like um fairly placid, you know, very protective. In Little, the lighthouse. Like, yeah. 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 They're, they're, I mean, that scene also is my favorite scene oh, it's of the entire film. That scene. It's fantastic. Like, but like, I feel either you're on, so some people end up on their own, but still mostly trying to hide. Or there's a pair of them who are, again, mostly trying to hide. So I feel like most of them are just like not wanting to do this thing and only doing it. Like if, so even some people, it feels like they're hiding and only when someone comes across them do they then attempt to kill them. It even it's still protect, it's still like defensive rather than being on the attack. Um, and I think that's what I like about it. I like that they feel like they're just teens. I mean, it helps all in school uniform and stuff as well. It's like this is just really hard. It's an impossible situation to be in. Um, and it's like I think that you go back and forth between: do we try and? like go and kill people or do we try and defend ourselves do we try and get out do we do we kill ourselves to end it quicker look what i think they go back and forth on between what's the best idea and what isn't and then you have these other three guys who are like hackers who are like well that one guy is like a hacker and he's little helpers and they're like actually really trying to fight this system and they actually help fight the system in the end and um so yeah i really love the actual groups of people you get but I love that the running thread is that they're all just really scared mm. that's it that's the through line apart from anime guy who is not scared at all he's having a great time <laughs> he's having the, it's like the best holiday he's ever been on this is like he's like Thompson all-inclusive like trip this he's safe for this like all year he's having the best time even at the end of his life he's like still like this is great this is exactly how i want to go out <laughs> just have it 
I would love a glimpse of his backstory because what the fuck, dude? Like, what is happening with you? Um, I know. I want a whole spinoff with him, but also yeah. his his death scene is also fabulous. And I it's use this fantastic. word very specifically. It's like, no, that is a fabulous fucking death scene because that guy wanted to die and he wanted to go out in a blaze of glory and in his little white shirt, uh, open collared white shirt and black suit. And he wanted to go out dramatically and he did. So you know what? Well done. Anime He's like guy. blind and like bleeding from his eyes. Like by the end of it, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's really, truly glorious. Um, <laughs> and you you kind of mentioned this through line of all the kids being scared and and yes they are we, and we get that and especially like how what makes it really i think connect outside of all the extreme violence and all of that is the fact that we we're all we're all scared all the time like to mm. one degree or another we always feel fear and then when you're a kid that fear is is so intense and we sometimes like i don't know if if this is uh I, I think this is a universal thing when you know if you get really scared in particular ways that maybe you don't even necessarily think about on an mm. everyday basis you kind of regress back to that really childhood fear like if you're genuinely really afraid of something you kind of become a child again in in yeah. one or another you kind of lose that ability to um control yourself the way that you can as an adult and that's one of the things that really i think the teen part of this film always stands out in my mind a lot more than the horror part. I mean, yes, it's like graphic to shit, but I just remember all these really, really terrified kids trying to make these make-believe allegiances and trying to behave like adults, but actually just being absolutely terrified and really vulnerable in so many ways. And alone and like as a kid that is the most terrifying thing you know just being by yourself and the fact that we you know we start the film with this this backstory of this one kid who finds his his dad's body who'd committed suicide and that like keeps popping up in his mind and it's like even before he gets thrown into the battle royale he is by himself and what is he supposed to do with that and he even says when he's talking about it like in the voiceover he's like there was no one i he had no one, no one could help him. It was just kind of like, everyone dealt with the practical aspects of it. He got put mm -hmm. in a foster home, mm -hmm. all that stuff. But there was no one for him mm -hmm. really to like talk him through what that was or what that meant or how he should feel. And he mentions like being depressed and quitting sports and like he quits a basketball team, right? Like it's just, there's all the, and what I like about it is that there's this whole thing. So like the state, which kind of feels like what the adults represent, in this film mm -hmm. is going we have issues and the kids aren't taking it seriously and the kids are not taking it to school and they're not and then showing these glimpses of these kids in their personal lives and what they've gone through is like no one was looking after them really you're mm -hmm. mad they weren't going to school or were like disinterested or whatever but no one was like looking after these kids providing mm -hmm. a school but like no actual care is not a thing like it doesn't <laughs> it's not it's not good enough and um so I think it, there's a there's a fragility to all of them, and even especially even it's not a teen film or even teen show in the sense of they're not like oh a bit grubbied up and a bit bloody but still running rampant. They get really hurt. Like even if they're not killed, they could get really really hurt, and that their injuries like you know hinder them for the rest of the film. It's not like other films where it's like oh it's just a scratch and they're actually mostly fine and. They're just a bit dirty and like it's a bit hard but no it's like no even if they don't die they could get injured to the point where they're in a very vulnerable position um 
And it's not only them being physically fragile, but also the safety being like in any safety they carve out being fragile, not just because of the island and the stakes and what's happening, but because of their their panic level is actually so high that anything can tip it over. It's it's yeah, it's brilliantly done. And it feels really well observed as far as like how how teens would react in this situation. And how do you how? How else do you think it, it works as a teen horror? I watched this, um, and I sent it to you, I watched this video essay by one of my mm. favorite video essays, The Nerd Writer, from a while back. And he had this whole sort of um, proposition that he thought the Battle Royale was one of the best teen movies ever mm. made, kind of alongside, you know, the John Hughes teen movies and alongside the 2000s teen movies that we, um, that we grew up, that we kind of think about when we think about the teen genre. And I'll link to it in the show notes. And it's kind of, he's got this great thing about that being the whole film essentially being the previous generation trying to communicate their despair and their um, experiences of violence and this kind of goes into the the director's own experiences of um of world war ii to the new generation because they're just there is a, a gap there there's kind of a breakdown in communication and the only way that they can communicate it is by making the kids experience the kind of desperate violence that they had um that they had gone through in a different scenario um how do you think it it works as um as a teen movie and as a teen horror movie specifically kind of between those two genres um well i think it works incredibly because it it it, get, it sets up this impossible situation right on the island it's an impossible situation it's kill or be killed and there is no good way or correct way to handle it. And I think, so it sets, that makes it horrifying enough in itself. And they're also just like, I was an idiot as a teenager. Like they're idiot teens and they don't know what they're doing. And none of them ever get to a point where they're like, there's no like montage scene where someone like packs themselves up with guns and gets really good at fighting in the three days. It's like, no, they're pretty much just themselves the whole time. And, um, there's also other things like memories from school and stuff that affect how like there's a bit a great scene with Mitsuko and another girl where she's like you she accuses Mitsuko of all these like bad behavior before so she you know there's also this resentment that's built up because they actually like have all these schoolyard like issues with each other as well that like um that feeds or adds into how they react to each other who they're scared of who they're scared of bumping into who they're um who they're looking for who they feel safe with um so i think it works incredibly well because of that and i think unlike other teen things they actually look like children which <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as far as like modern teen things go mm-hmm. like you like a lot of the time they don't look like actual kids we know it's like we're we're doing a bit of like cognitive dissonance where we're going well i know that's a 25 year old man but sure he's 17 like whereas these actually look like children so they look physically not as able as well in the sense of like they're not as big as the adults who are running this thing Mm -hmm. um they couldn't get into a a physical fight with one of the soldiers or the teacher and come out of that well you know and that's that's also a feeling of like no you couldn't even just fight back really um in, in a in a way that would be effective so I think that's a massive part of it. And yeah, it is just a teen film. It's very much about their lives and about how, and I do, yeah, the the director's story is like, I mean, 
in that video essay you get a glimpse of him talking about it um about like him and his friends having to clear bodies like during the war and you just mm. not talking getting on with it because it's just what you were doing and you're in shock um but i rather than yeah i i think it's um because he also mentions that you know he, the director was 70 when he made this film right yes um, uh, for Kasaku, he was seventy when he made this. It was like the last film he he finished making, mm-hmm. and I it feels more to me like yes, communicating what he went through, but because he sees the teens so well, it feels more like he's he sees himself in the teens rather than the adults. If you mm-hmm. see what I mean, yes, because the teens are are, are written incredibly sympathetically, mm-hmm. so it feels more like he's trying to go. Rather than it being like, oh, the state represents people who have been through this, like the adults in this represent, they've been through this and they want to explain to the teens in this film what we went through. It's more like he's going, here's a film and this is how brutal it felt. I was one of, like, this is what it felt like to be a teen in this time um, to like people who are watching it. Rather, like, because it feels like he has put himself in the place of the teens rather than the adults. Mm-hmm. That's how it f- feels to me. That's that's the point of view it feels like it comes from. Mm. Um, and that's why the teens are done so well. He re- he seems to remember what it's like to have to try and be to su- suddenly have to grow up to try and be practical when you're when you're not equipped to be that practical about certain things, about brutality, about death, about Mm -hmm. violence, Mm -hmm. and to also try and survive and to just be scared and sad and having to get like, you know, our lead guy, um, um, Nana, he sees he's like Nobuji's best friend and he sees him die at the very beginning. And he has to immediately get his shit together because he's then out in this brutal world. And like that feels like him to me. That feels like where he's put himself in the mm-hmm. that feeling of having to get over something immediately. And he wants there's a point where he wants to Nana wants to fight the he can see he's about to get up and like maybe like start trying to fight the teacher. Mm-hmm. Start trying to fight um Kitano. Kitano. And he gets held back. And just having like your friends having to also immediately make that switch in your brain mm-hmm. to to what the situation is to make that decision to be like oh this is dangerous and actually this is how we have to behave Mm -hmm. um that's what it feels like but yeah because it's it feels very based in the team's emotions and their lives and actually them as people it feels very much from their point of view Mm -hmm. and i think in other teen films while they're fun and stuff they don't feel like real teenagers a lot of the times Mm -hmm. and um you're not really getting it from their point of view of what your memory of being a teen was. It's more like, oh, these are teenagers, but they're also hot and <laughs> <laughs> and they're also going to make it or they're going to try and make smart decisions or going to plan immediately. It's like, yeah, I feel I feel like that that through line of fear and being scared really lends itself to to making it realistic and making it a quintessential teen drama and i honestly think not many things come close um i think there's a lot of j-horror that actually does really well with it but um um yellow i've been watching yellow jackets which like makes me reminds me of it a little bit Mm -hmm. because it's that kind of it's that similar thing of like oh they don't know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and obviously there's a more supernatural element in it but like 
that's one of the closest things I can think of at the moment that's modern where I'm like, yeah, this feels like a bunch of idiots on an island. I mean, it's very it's very Lord of the Flies, isn't it? It's like what happens yeah. when you leave a bunch of um, not quite adults to fend in a really adult situation. Like what kicks in? What's childlike about them and what's adult-like about them? And it's a real it's a real dissonance to see both of those parts of them kind of try to coexist, that they can be so intensely childlike about some things and so scarily adult about others. And and I kind of wanted to to use that to talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked a lot about the kids and stuff, but we haven't really talked about the adults, or rather the one adult that we get in this film, Kitano, yeah. played by Takeshi Kitano, who is it kind of appears, he's kind of an, an a presence throughout the entire film and has a couple of choice scenes. But what did you make of him? Well, I think it's really funny that before this you were talking about Lord of the Flies because <laughs> he, the guy who wrote the book, you know, uh, he uh, uh, he the te- he was a teacher and he wrote it because he hated. <laughs> he was like these fucking kids. <laughs> He's like these little shits. They'd immediately get to an island and lose their shit. Very much from like an adult point of view, and it feels like he has that same kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like a viewpoint where he's like these little shits he likes exactly one kid <laughs> in the whole group of them and he just like what's really fascinating about him is that he is calm like pretty much the entire time like he is just even when he loses temper it's in a way that's not like he's never ranting or raving he's very much just like i don't know he's like removed from himself um he's just going through like not going through the motions he seems to be like kind of enjoying it but he just is it's what's terrifying about him is that he just kind of like (laughs) just deals with everything just very like this is this is what's happening oh okay like hey do you have a problem with that oh okay i'm just gonna like throw my knife in your head whoops like and it's just it's it's far too whimsical (laughs) I don't know what the word is for the situation, which makes it even <laughs> scarier. These kids arrive in this terrifying situation, and this guy is just like, "Anyway, just sit down, be quiet, listen to this explanation video." And then, like, the girl in the video is being like, "Um, she's like, oh, good morning," and he's like doing like a good morning back, and it's like, "Why are you like this?" <laughs> and he's obviously just a very incredibly sad man. Um, you know, he's he obviously has like a disconnect with his family especially his daughter um and he paints that incredibly weird painting god he does a little, little painting oh where he god paints all the dead kids and then like the one kid who survives he paints as um noriko mm-hmm. um who he's who's his favorite who he i guess sees as like a surrogate daughter who he wants to survive he's kind of like we don't really yeah. see that much but you can sort of see that he is not above rigging the game so that she survives right But also it's like, when did he paint this? But like, it's just, and it's like, it's not even like, it's not some beautiful like oil painting. It's like this really childlike weird painting as well. It's like, you're a strange man. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, I think what's most scary about him is that he's just like, he's like taking naps. He's doing his little announcements. He's doing it like, uh, it's a job that he, he kind of enjoys, but you know, it's a job at the end of the day. And even at the end, even when he's got like bullet holes in him, he literally is like still incredibly weirdly calm. And I'm just like, this guy, it feels like he has nothing to live for, which is why he can be here and in, and in some parts like kind of enjoy this or kind of take it as something not so heavy or not so bad 
um is because he is he doesn't seem to like be happy with himself for his life at all Mm. so there's like no stakes for him really there's Um, also like this really and at times it really made me laugh you know like these shots of him just sort of looking at the blackboard because the, the kids all wanted to didn't want to attend class with just him doing jumping jacks by himself in front of this mm. uh massive building and, and courtyard like there is so much uh there's kind of this despondent lonely loneliness but also yeah. he so fucking hates the kids as he well hates them. he really he calls hates them potatoes yeah. at one point. <laughs> which is the best insult he's like he has to come in and look at all these like potatoes and i'm just like this is i mean like truly like the writer of lord of the flies he's like i hate these kids you're all pieces of shit um i'm <laughs> i wonder how he got this job <laughs> did he apply did he see it advertised was like yeah I would like to do this. Thank you. <laughs> I also wonder if it's like, I mean, you know, I, I'm like building this whole imaginary world around it of like, is is he the one that's designated for this area? Are there more of them? You know, is he mm. kind of the boss of the whole thing? There's so many things that, that could happen. And um, and I, I do kind of, I, it is interesting as well to see Takeshi Kitano in this role, perhaps because like obviously we're coming to this film a little later on and, and we're not from a Japanese culture, but he, I always really associated him with kind of a certain brand of art house, kind of very somber cinema. Mm. And it baffles me to when I read that he was like a massive comedic star in Japan and like a game show host which is why he got this role and kind of why they were using him as kind of a pool for for the film itself. And I just, I cannot imagine Takeshi Kitano kind of like being peppy. You know what I mean? <laughs> just full of pep. But I, I think cannot. maybe that's why it works. Like I think like often it, we see like comedic actors or comedians being really good at the darkest roles because often there's like <laughs> a lot of darkness underlying comedy or people who do comedy for a living um and there's there is like you know there's a lot of examples of those actors those people being really good at like roles that are oh like when they have to go to that place i just can immediately access it so um that kind of doesn't surprise me actually that kind of makes makes sense to me because there's also like a weird that's how he brings that weird like lightness to it that's that's terrifying like it's it's the lightness in him in it it's because he's not domineering. He's not like yelling and sneering and threatening the kids. There's a lightness to him. And that's what makes him so, it feels very unpredictable and very, like it puts it puts you on edge, like someone being like that in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, and also knowing in the times he, he kills two kids at the beginning, but again, not out of like anger. It's not in a way that's like, it's like he beats them to death. It's this very decisive, precise thing he does mm-hmm. where it's like all very like um like the girl um who he he throws a knife at is he she says at the beginning she's like, this is against the law and he like kind of makes fun of her for it then when he throws a knife in her head he's like oh was that not like am i following the laws and he just makes like kind of a weird joke about it afterwards and you're like fuck like it's it's just that much more fucked up in the same way that like the idea of the Joker is more fucked up than a lot of other villains. Mm-hmm. Like a villain with a reason is less scary than a villain that seems to be doing this and you don't know why. Like who's doing this and or the, kind of enjoying it. And yeah, you don't because really it's, know pure why. Ca- it's pure chaos. Yeah. And you can't control and you can't explain chaos and you cannot reason with chaos. Yeah. 
which is why it's terrifying is because there is absolutely no way out there is no um there is no kind of soft underbelly that you could potentially no kind of tackle them into you can't you, you can't could- connect and you can't reason with him and i think that's and he's the only one he appears he appears on the island at some point right he like goes to find to make sure Noriko's okay and mitsuko he's still what's the scariest thing mitsuko who's not scared of anything when she sees him like immediately runs off and i'm just like right so he carries it he's walking around this island these kids have weapons you know and he he's not even remotely scared of walking around like mm. to make sure Noriko's okay because he knows that he's he's scary enough or he just doesn't care that one of them might shoot him which is even more and even when the hackers get into the system and they shut everything down and everyone's all the other soldiers are panicking and he's just like he just turns it off he's like turn it back on again in a bit he just nothing there's nothing that could happen that could face him <laughs> like literally which is really yeah he's a great character because it's it's really unhinged in like this very quiet like unsettling way and and his kind of turn at the end the reveal of his really creepy painting and his kind of mild obsession (laughs) with the girl is just like so out of character as well you Mm. do not expect it from from that cold um not calculating but just kind of unfeeling adult yeah and yeah just a really and i think that's been so for me, he represents all the adults in that because we don't really get good representations, even mm-hmm. in the flashbacks of adults in these people in these kids' lives. Yeah, that's there true. hasn't really been any good ones by the looks of it. So um, he feels like he kind of represents all of them. Like he says, he cares for um, Iruko, but it's just like, yeah, but she's still here. She's still terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? It's just. I don't know, hoping she survives to what end? What's her life going to be like? You know, it, it's mm-hmm. all these things that are just a bit like, oh, you're not really thinking about these kids and, and what they... Sorry if you can hear that weird ringing in the back. It's my phone, which is like a very weird house phone ring. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's like, even though he cares for one of these kids, it's like, you're not thinking about this in the bigger picture. This mm-hmm. is still not good for her. The guy she's who spent like the whole game protecting her dying in front of her will not be good for her. Like, even if you think you're like saving her somehow, this is not saving. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just, and it's clearly, you know, he has this bad relationship with his daughter and he's kind of trying, but not really trying. Like trying in the sense that he like answers the phone to her or calls her or whatever, but you know, he's not there. Mm-hmm. And this guy's obviously like removed from something, from reality in some way. Like something's wrong with him. But so, we also don't really get that much uh background information about what the what the reality in the battle royale world is. Like we get no. the that little bit of information about the political unrest and, and crime and kids going wild and all this stuff, but we don't really see it. So we're we're just thrust into this isolated a death island. Um, and you're right about the idea of it being, because when we see that at the very beginning, we see the girl come back from it, obviously another previous battle royale. These kids don't know about it. So, and there are reporters there when she comes back, right? Mm. So it feels like maybe it moves like towns or areas or like whatever. But yeah, we don't see any of that. We don't know how widespread, how widely known this is. We don't see parents' reactions. We don't see like, because they say we've notified your parents, but we mm-hmm. don't know. We never see the parents getting that notification or 
how they react to this. And um, kind of it's it's interesting to look at it now over 20 years after it was made because it was hugely controversial, like banned in several countries. It wasn't released in the in the United States for like 10 years after it actually came out in Japan. Like there was a lot of a lot of um controversy around the amount of of kid on kid violence. <laughs> so um kind of on two questions of this kind of do you think what do you think of the the teen on teen violence? And kind of like is it why does it feel more extreme compared to say any of the horror films that we've we've covered so far in the season or or that you know that we're we still got coming or that we're very used to seeing especially after the the 70s the 80s and the 90s you know this film is is the first one of the millennium that we're covering mm-hmm. and do you think kind of this um this kind of um controversy still follows it around i don't know if if like there's um any more controversy about it because now I think it'd be hard I think it'd be incredibly hard to be controversial in, in certain like uh, genres but I think I think it was it was at the time it was met where it's different I think it's still different now because when we see teens dying in in other horror films usually either it's like an outside person who's there to murder murder them even if it's <laughs> one of the teens it's one teen with like a problem who, who has reasons for killing all these other teens and like has planned it or whatever, or mm. it's supernatural or it's, it's very rarely just like, no, these are just regular teens and they've been forced to a situation where they just have to kill each other. So I think that's what's different about it. There's not a reason. There's not like, um, none of them have reasons they want to like particularly kill each other. Um, they might have reasons that they don't like each other, but they don't have reasons they want to murder anybody. It's not calculated in that way. Um, they're, they're just forced into the situation and then and they're bad at it like you know some of them or some of them most of them are bad at it in the sense that yes they kind of know the sharp end goes in like into a body so that that's how you kill someone but none of them are like so skilled that you're like oh my god this is you know they're not having like big fights that are like well structured or well choreographed it's like no they're just kind of like hacking or stabbing or pointing and shooting because they don't really know what they're doing. And I think that's what's nice about it. Like no one is gets so cool or clever. No one gets like does a Rambo bit. Do you mean it's just like they're using a weapon as best as they know how to use a weapon. Um and that means that there's there no one's dying necessarily as quickly as they should. <laughs> like, you know, you're getting stabbed in places that won't necessarily kill you, but you're gonna bleed a lot. Um and maybe you'll die slowly or maybe you'll get an infection or and I think that like that brutality is like oh man like because if you're gonna die or you're gonna kill teens you kind of hope that at least be killed quickly but these are like it's like death by a thousand cuts sometimes (laughs) it's like (laughs) real slow some of them Uh, or like there's real tussles that lead up to them it's like not always just this clean like good death Mm -hmm. and I think that as well and you know it's very realistic there's not like fountains of blood but there's a lot of blood Mm -hmm. and it feels like a real amount of blood and they just you know there's lots of well the shots that have the bodies in it i think are the are more brutal rather than just the at the moment killings Mm -hmm. it's when there's like just bodies of kids and 
just the blood surrounding you're just like oh man like this is like in the classroom when they they had to finish a video with like the body of like a classmate on the floor mm-hmm. like it's those scenes that feel the most brutal and the most like and yeah after nobu's neck gets exploded like he's like little chunks of him like around the room and it's the ah yeah there's it i think it's a great amount of god i think it's just just the right amount it feels realistic they don't go over the top um and i think it being quite real is what makes it horrifying because it's like yeah i I imagine that's what a dead team would look like Mm. you know I imagine that's what a dead teen would look like. Yeah. That's that's a clip I'm going to use. That um, feels accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen one, but like it feels accurate. It feels I, I think, like yeah. I think your point about kind of seeing the bodies still be peppered around the island and seeing them after the kind of the the bloody explosive killing is done is the thing that might stick with people because our relationship with screen violence is all sorts of fucked up and i'm not talking about kind of exactly what we see in the screen but the things that people find most um controversial are usually not the explosive violence like because i've been in scream world for a few weeks now there's this point that wes craven made um i listened to the other commentary think of the first film is where he says this where he was like the thing that he was battling the mpaa against um when they're attempting to kind of cut some of the scenes of the film was that they found it really too much that you saw the the reaction on the face of a character as she was about to die as she was like after she got stabbed i think this is casey right. in the opening scene of of scream and there's this the shock kind of of her face as she was she was about to die and she was kind of bleeding to death and kind of looking up at her killer and that's the thing that they made him almost cut because yeah. it's the it's the humanity is the kind of seeing the aftermath of the thing the thing that we're enjoyed and kind of you know uh, see quite a lot both in the news and in fiction and everywhere else that's fine but once you start seeing the aftermath the kind of the human aftermath that's what's that's what's not supposed to be entertaining and i always found that like really really interesting and telling that we're okay with screen violence as long as we don't have to think about what comes after the heads explode and the kids got like stabbed through the forehead and shit as long as we don't have to see kind of the bodies lying around because that reminds us too much of real life violence and like what it looks like when somebody actually gets hurt or killed and that's i mean that's the most brutal thing about it is like seeing a person go from a person to a dead thing is like a very surreal mm. and then to have that because they're not they're no longer a person they're no longer there and to have them just like even someone like touching a body mm-hmm. like you know nana is grabbing onto nobu's body and even that it's like these are very visceral things that people have real feelings about there's a there's an amazing scene where we see mitsuko like um she's like just killed two people and they're lying there like naked and bloody in this kind of area and it's like this mm. tiny scene we just, it's like just a clip of her like leaving this area after she's killed these two guys and it's it's like oh my god like it's those parts and they sh- they're very it's very good at showing you so like in the lighthouse scene right which we'll talk about in a minute i'm sure but like mm-hmm. the girl who survives once she jumps off it's not that she's jumped we already know she's jumped and it wouldn't be seeing her jump it's that they have that clip of her body on the rocks mm-hmm. below 
it's it's those moments it's when they talk about those two other kids who hang themselves and they have that clip of just seeing them it's the fact that we keep going back to seeing nana's dad being um hanging who's hung himself mm-hmm. and you know it's it's these things it's just seeing a body is like so they even that's at the very beginning we see you know um she and nana nana who's dead like um why his trousers are down for some reason which i can't i don't know but like <laughs> we see that he's hung himself and it's that discovery he throws up right so he mm-hmm. sees a dead body sees his father's dead body and immediately is sick and then suddenly he's seeing like dead bodies like every couple of hours um and having to like not react to it and that swift that change that turn in your head of like these kids having to have that turn in their head where seeing a friend die has to go from seeing a friend die to just seeing bodies and not and not connecting with it because otherwise it's too horrifying and we're kind of on that same journey um and it's like you know the director was saying when he talks about having to clean up boys after it's that same switch of like just having stuff to do mm-hmm. and not being able to deal with but we are, are like having to deal with the bodies but then also move on to the next scene and follow the story mm-hmm. and I think it's and you kind of have to leave it behind to get to the end, to be happy for the kids at the end. Mm-hmm. You have to leave the island literally full of dead children behind you. Um, and that's that's quite, that is horrifying. That is like really disturbing. And I, I guess that is like still what, that's why people connect with it or people have a different response to it. I think so often to this film is because it is leaves you with just a more horrifying like aftertaste than like a, mm. a teen slasher was which you can go away from and you might be talking about it because you enjoyed it but this leaves you with like a darker like deeper like sadness or like oh god that was uh, that was a lot like mm. feeling um and it's got yeah it's just layered it's more layered than those those films usually are and i think that's what it is and to lighten it up a little bit and talk about <laughs> some some kids dying Let's talk about some fun kids dying. I mean, I'll, there's a lot of there's a lot of kill scenes in this. The kill count yeah. is I, I lost count basically. Basically, everyone yeah. dies. Everyone, yeah. But do you have and and I wanna I I mean I we we've already alluded to this. I'm definitely gonna talk about the the kitchen scene. Oh, but yeah. do you have any particular favorite um kill scenes? Um, the kitchen scenes are, is my favorite as well. Because the top <laughs> ones, we'll talk about that because that's like up there with it's just a it's a, just a brilliant like piece of like film it's <laughs> just, just a brilliant whole, scene yeah the whole beginning to end of it is just amazing but um i'm a big fan of the girl fights so basically the two mm. fights my other two favorites are the fights that Mitsuko has mm-hmm. um so the first one she finds a girl um hiding in a shed and she just walks in all like immediately terrifying um, and this girl stupidly trusts her, which I mean, that was dumb. But um, she is like a really, they have like a tussle, and then she's got like a what she have like it's like a sky scythe. What's it called? Those like a like a hoe, like when you're gardening. Oh, like a hose? <laughs> like, no, like a hoe, like one of those like things with like a. I think it's a scythe. Oh yes, the thing that you, the, the the thing you used to plow the yeah, earth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and and she was and, like, I don't, I don't like this at first, but now I can see how it's useful. 
no, it's great. Yeah, and she has like, a whole little speech about it. And it's like a really, just a really good, it's really close and really like brutal. That's like an up-close kill. That's like, that. it's a really good in to that character. Because it's like, she's already, she's prepared. If she can kill someone that close while she's talking in their ear and like holding them <laughs> and literally holding something, she's not to be fucked with. And I really love it. That's our, our first, like, yeah, okay. So we know that she's what she's about. And then her second kill is where we momentarily maybe see some vulnerability around her. Like, so she she walks into this room and a girl pulls a gun on her mm-hmm. and is like accusing her all the stuff. She accuses some really dark stuff, right? She tells her, she's like, you made so-and-so go out with like old pervs for money. It's like, oh my God, she's like, like pimping some like of her schoolmates out. She's a bully and this girl, but she's saying all this shit, but I'm, you know, you're kind of like, I didn't want Mitsuko to die, but you know, I hate when villains or people do that thing where they're like, I'm going to explain to you why it's like, well, just do it. And then know why you did it. Because this explanation is going to get you fucked up. This is what's going to get you. And it is what gets, she's talking too much. And then Mitsuko pulls out a taser, tases the gun out of her hand, and then just like manages to like shoot this girl. She's trying to run away. So she's like, because she's the only one who has tactics. I like her, like, I like that she's like always planning. She's always like three steps ahead and like mm-hmm. planning what she's going to do. And actually, if someone just shot her, she, they'd be fine. But everyone wants to like talk about why they're shooting her. Um, <laughs> she's that bitch. <laughs> she's that bitch. Everyone has to like give her a whole bit, whole speech. <laughs> um, and then the kitchen scene is my favorite. And then honorable mention is the knife throw at the beginning. Because yes. that is in, in, it's insane. Like to like whip out a knife and like immediately get any, it happens so quick. I was like, oh, that is precision. That is. Um, it's also the, is... it's also the moment where we realize, oh, they're not fucking around. They're really gonna yeah. murder. They're really gonna be murdering the kids. And the rules don't even extend to yes, it's meant to be the kids killing each other. Oh, but if he wants to kill them, he will also. Yeah, it's like the Which... rules apply only to the children, not to the yeah. adults, and he's the only adult in a room. So fuck you. Yeah. Which sets up the idea that anyone could come. If one of them wanted to like come and shoot you at some point, they could. Like, mm-hmm. do you mean it's just like quite? It adds to that like overarching like the 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 idea of being watched and the terror of that someone is in control of this and could actually do what they wanted. Um, yeah, so those are my favorites. But my yeah, the ultimate favorite is the is the kitchen. Is all the girls in the kitchen. Um, it's, it's my it's, favorite scene and i think it may be in the entire film it's the yeah. it's the childlike you know cooking bits and like being so happy about their stew that they made and stuff yeah. but also then how quickly they switch yeah and the and, and the also- little girl who doesn't who's like just there sort of lying and who knows exactly what's going to happen and who sees everything right. descend into chaos could have like I don't know, slapped the thing out of her hand. I don't yeah. know, tried to stop this happening, but didn't. Um, so like the whole, <laughs> so like the whole scene starts with um, Nana who's been injured and gets rescued by one of these girls and taken back and bandaged up. He's mm-hmm. been asleep for like hours and, you know, they have a plan. They're going to go find um, one of the other uh, transfer students who had band guy, what's his name? Kawada. Um, and uh, Noriko, who who have a plan to get out, so they're going to try and find them, and they're waiting for him to feel better enough. And they've like caught, they found this little lighthouse, and they're making food, and they're basically just trying to live a semi-normal life until the third day, and until they unless they find a way out, or until the third day where they, they get blown up. Um, 
so everything's like it's they're playing house it's all very nice and it's then, all adorable but one of the girls uh, who's it's who's it's adorable and then one of the girls who saw nana accidentally kill one of the other kids now it's it feels unfair that she holds this resentment mm-hmm. considering the position they're in right so she was for some reason hiding in the woods sees um like a little hatchet go into this kid's head it's like you know what they're falling down a hill but also i think you know they were fighting so one of them was going to die and so it feels unfair that she's held on to this resentment against Nana. Like, oh, you killed someone. It's like, dude, look around. Everyone is killing people. <laughs> like, you're not in a position to be judgmental about murder in this point. Well, like, it's in this like way. this very childlike way of judging one thing but not the other and being completely unable yeah. to see the big picture. It's like, girl, girly, this is, uh, I know that you're trying to impart justice here, yeah. but I think we're past Justice. everyone's between a rock and a hard place mm-hmm. and then if someone sees you kill nana then who's to stop them from being like well you kill nana so i'm gonna kill you do you mean it's like come on but so obviously her weapon that she was given in a bag was a little vial of nondescript poison mm-hmm. i love when poison's just labeled as poison it's I'm just really it's just it. poison yeah just I like love it, just, just the just skull like, and the and the bones that's it you know this poison, is death. just some sort of poison i am a big every time a film has a bottle that is poison i'm like i love that this is a clearly labeled they're like we're not going to be caught out in a lawsuit it clearly says poison on it um but also it's extremely dramatic poison to make it cinematic could that make someone like explode and vomit blood out of their mouth it's like yeah otherwise we'll just not know two sips of that food (laughs) and i'm like damn what is this like yeah like what poison because most poisons take a little while but okay so yeah she puts it she dumps the whole she even saves some of it like she dumps the whole thing in Nana's plate where it's like, I don't think he deserves this, but okay. <laughs> and then she's all like, oh, I'm going to take it into him. And then this girl comes in from watch and just takes a bowl. She's like a super perky girl. Um, I think she was a cheerleader. I think there's a... <laughs> Um, Wait, did so... you did you make this up or was it actually no, in the movie? No, I, I believe she was one of the cheerleaders <laughs> when you flash back to the basketball games because yeah. she is just like perky as fuck and grabs a bowl and is like, mmm, delicious noodle soup. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, first of all, clearly that was on a tray for somebody. But second of all, that the girl who poisoned it, it's like you could have done something. You could have slapped the bowl, slapped the spoon out of there her was hand. There, there was options. There were options, options. there. Um, but also I love that no one suspects so the girl like yeah vomits blood and they're all like oh my god what the fuck who did this it's like I would uh, why is no one thinking of the girl who seemed quite keen to take the food into Nana like mm-hmm. why not, Why is no one suspect her but no one suspects her but they all start accusing each other of doing this of being responsible <laughs> and then just the most bonkers shootout happens where it's just bullets and like yelling where it's just like no you did this because of blah 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 and they're just also like it, it turns so quickly into just like screaming and shooting <laughs> but it makes complete sense it's the yeah. most teenage it's the most teenage girliest kind of shootout it's like they're all yeah. screaming they're all accusing each other of stuff that's way in the past because yeah. that's how girl world works and and just like blindly shooting across the entire room hoping that a bullet they hit yeah. it's not like i'm trying to shoot you because i think you do they're just like i'm gonna spray bullets and hit all of you i don't even give a shit anymore my like, my favorite part is when the one of the girls who is like the de facto well, not the leader or whatever. She just takes the entire bowl of noodle soup and just slams it throws in and it. throws it on the table and the floor being like, shut the fuck up, all of y'all. But also, <laughs> I am going to kill everyone. 
Yeah, and then like, all the resentments are coming out. Yeah, and it's just like, well, no, she's not. Oh my god, it's just and then the very end when it's just like the one girl. Oh, who's the last girl who shoots someone? The girls on the table, and she like, I don't know. It becomes like these last two mm-hmm. who like one's been shot and the other one's been shot, and they just end up shooting each other. And it's just like this is. And then the one girl who actually did the poisoning is just hiding under a table, like. And then she's like, "Oh, it's not my fault." It's like, I think yes, it, it is. My love. Yes, it is, girl. Pretty sure it is. And then she just lets Nana out, and then just goes throws herself off the top of the lighthouse. <laughs> I'm just like, well. <laughs> <laughs> this could have gone better, guys. Well, um, and it's like they made it like two days, <laughs> having a nice time. They're like, nope, nope, everyone dies, everyone dies. <laughs> It's like this could have gone, and poor Nana's just in bed, like, um, guys. <laughs> he got told he's gonna have lunch in a minute, and suddenly he's like locked in a room, and they're just shouting and bullets, and he's just like, and um. they've thrown the entire noodle soup on the floor. There's not even like a tiny bit of food left. No one has any noodle soup left. It's just, oh my goodness, I I love it. It is, and it is like quite comedic because it does just turn into this like. Mm-hmm. And it all seems so domestic and so nice <laughs> at the beginning. And it feels like these girls have got their shit together, level-headed. They're, they're not going to freak out. And then just, I mean, yes, to be fair, it is like quite a dramatic death that sets them off. Like it is the sudden like explosive like blood vomit of their friend that sets them off. Mm-hmm. But like there's no critical thinking implied. They're not like, okay, wait, what happened? Who had the soup? They're just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and like some of them have handguns some one of them like one or two of them have like machine guns so when mm-hmm. i say bullets spraying it is like bullets are just like flying around this kitchen like it's nonsense and um yeah it's amazing it's an amazing scene and then poor nana just doesn't even know what happened he he doesn't even know <laughs> he just comes out of the room like Fuck. Like sees all the bodies <laughs> in the kitchen, then goes up to the top and like sees her body on the rock below, and it's just like, okay, I guess I'll just make my way into the woods again. Like, like, ah, oh, it, it's incredible. It's an incredible, like, just on its own, like, piece of like almost theatre of just how chaos can descend so and quickly. quickly. And it's yeah, it's a, it's a perfect scene of like these kids are on the edge. They are on the edge of losing it the, the whole time. No one, even if they seem calm, no one is calm. Um, is that's that scene? That's what tells you that it's like, yeah, everyone's on the on the cusp of blowing their friends away at this point. And to start wrapping up our our chat about battle royale, it's I mean the the controversy that surrounded it was huge, but its mm. influence in the twenty two years since it came out has just been on like i can't even quantify it you know everything from very popular kind of american stuff like the hunger games obviously is pretty much battle royale but yeah. uh, made more ya or more digestible ya um kill bill both casts one of the actresses from from battle royale and kind yeah. of reuses entire imagery from the film um, there's a whole genre of um, of video games that basically is the match to the death as mm. as kind of instituted by, by by this film and also 
There's all the there's all the subsequent books and the subsequent films and all the copycat movies and even like the the term battle royale has become the the de facto kind of expression to mean a a match to the death or you know kind mm. of survival of the fittest essentially but kind of in a gameplay scenario. Um, so where where do you see some of the biggest um influences of battle royale on on pop culture? Because I think it's like almost impossible to just say just film or just tv because it's everywhere yeah i yeah it's hard to say like it's all the things you, it's it, like the fact yeah like the fact that the term has become has become part of our lexicon to mean a very specific thing just shows you how implemented i think people who don't even who haven't even seen battle royale would know what that is mm-hmm. know what the term is mm-hmm. which is an amazing reach um and like, yeah, there are generations that would have just played the Fortnite, there's Fortnite Battle Royale and there's another one, like, um, that would have seen, who would have played that game, but again, not knowing where it comes from. There's been like, a ama- like there's been, like, it's kind of, I feel like Black Mirror has elements of it. There's, um, there was an amazing dystopian Channel 4 show that was set in like a, or maybe it was a film, it wasn't a show, maybe it was a film, I think it was like German or Belgium film where it's like around a super um, like a mall where it's the same thing they've selected random people mm-hmm. and they have to fight to the death to survive and it's because of this like because of the way the economy works now there's films like guns akimbo which is not good but has elements of it <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah you can any basically any kind of situation where someone unsuspectingly is put in a position where it's like oh you have to kill a bunch of people now to get out of this it feels it reminds me you know, of that film it it always harkens back to that film that feels like the start point for me and yes obviously there's there's the very glossy yeah ya version which is um the hunger games which you know yeah um which a writer has said that she oh she never read the book but it's like i don't believe that when you were putting your drafts of this book in at no point did anyone in that process go this is a lot like battle royale <laughs> I find it incredibly hard to believe that no one would have caught that. So even if she personally hadn't read it, um, which fine, we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. It feels like mm, um, very suspicious. I but, mean, um, at the very best, it's just so ingrained in the culture that, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing because it, and you just don't know where the idea comes from but the idea has yeah. just been planted in your head because it's so widespread now that you're like well i'm not ripping anything off specifically but i believe I'm- yeah yeah but i i get yeah if we give her the benefit of the doubt it's like yes it could have been just an idea like floating around but i believe that the film before the book was even her book was out the film was out i'm pretty sure that the book came out or the yeah, the book came out in 2008, right? Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, oh, that. yeah, the no, there's film, like a, the there's film, like a the book and the film existed. Distance. Yes. So it just feels just so unlikely that no one, no one who's reading the proofs of her book, no one at any point was like, mm. she wrote three books also, isn't it three? Or like maybe like three that I know of. I haven't read them. I've seen the uh, movies. Oh, <laughs> series. So it's like, so you're aware at some point. Yeah. So like, um, so yeah, I just feel um, that's that feel that's the most obvious one, right? It feels like a direct, like not an homage. It feels like it's a rip off a little bit, um, and then obviously Americanized and Hollywoodized in a, in a like it's it's just made a lot more sexy and like glossy and whatever. But um, 
yeah, even like I mentioned earlier, that yellow jackets, even when it's not something that's specifically about fighting to the death, even the idea of being stranded, um, and obviously that always plays back to Lord of the Flies as well, but I mean like like yellow jackets reminds me because it's these kids on the island trying to figure out how to survive and or or trying to figure out how to navigate the situation when they don't have the tools to navigate the situation. And hierarchies forming or people who are good at certain things forming and people who are less good at certain things like do you mean it it becomes about that and whereas in battle royale obviously it's like each other and the powers that be that are the biggest threat the threat in in uh yellow jackets at the moment we just finished the season just finished it's like the the winter coming there not being any food so there are these outside things that are going to make decisions for them or make them decide things quicker than they would like to um so even in that i feel like it, i it feels unlikely again that that the people who are making yellow jackets wouldn't have watched that as a reference what wouldn't mm-hmm. have watched battle royale and you know the fact on an island the fact that it's not just surviving each other it's surviving the elements like these kids also have to like eat and be warm and sleep and all that stuff and i think it's um so i i would feel like if you're going to make something especially about teens being stranded or having to being forced into a difficult game or weird situation that that would be something you watched even for something like squid game mm-hmm. to be honest I, they're not like really similar in terms of like obviously it's like squid games like incredibly swish looking and incredibly like more more organized in a way that feels like you know man, manufactured like every game is really s- so specific but even that even being in that position of like this is a way for you to survive like I don't know like it it feels like that would also be a reference point for something like that oh I think absolutely and obviously it's like two um very different cultures as well Mm. and and the imagery is quite different but the I think the connection the basic connection between kind of games and violence is very much at the heart of it um but both in battle royale and in squid game the fact that the violence is so extreme but kind of softened in a way by both the like the very pastel colored uh aesthetic of squid game and in battle royale by the fact that these are kids like they're still in their Mm. school uniform and everything they do kind of feels a little bit childlike because they are children so you kind of it's it's shocking and also approachable in that way and i think and Mm. you know this whole premise of kind of tackling into a great social malaise is through this extreme form of um overly designed violence because that's what it is right it's like it's some it's some people designing a situation where they can get away with um murdering or or seeing other people kill kill each other but they always have the fingers on the control button they all they are the only ones who oversee the entire game Mm-hmm. who have all the aces up their sleeves, who at any point can actually press a couple buttons or a button and actually eliminate everyone because the kids mm-hmm. in Battle Royale are always under threat that if nobody dies at the end of the day, they will just all be killed but, and through their colors. like the thing they set up at the beginning because he has a remote for Nobu's neck. It's like, so even though these things are rigged to go off at the end of the three days, it's like also someone could just trigger one. Yeah. If they wanted to. Exactly. Um, so the threat is always there. Yeah. And I feel like the teen girl in Squid Game, you could literally pick her up and transplant her into, into bat- like as in like her character in Squid Game is someone you feel would do incredibly well. <laughs> like her and Mitsuko would probably be working together. But do you <laughs> know what I mean? It, there's that kind of feeling of like, 
um, she kind of she feels like the teens in um in battle royale in the sense of like she's had this really hard life mm-hmm. and she's just trying to survive or make th- I I don't know she's just trying to get through her days at this place and there's so that 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 connects it for me it's like yeah I feel like that her teenness is observed in the same way that these teens are mm-hmm. in that she in Squid Game she's incredibly smart and good and whatever and like all the stuff but she's still a kid and she's still just she's still scared she's just good at hiding it um which is what's so good which is i think she reminds me of mitsuko like it feels like they feel like uh, parallel characters because mitsuko is like she's tough and she's scary and she's smart and she's doing well in this game and then when she's killed by the only person i feel who could kill her which is anime hair guy um he shoots her and you get flashes to like how awful actually her life was how like something she enjoyed something truly or was about like something really awful like her mum wasn't protecting her her mum was like ready to sell her off to some creepy old man um just Mm. to get some money like and you know she's actually had like a hard she was a kid and she had to toughen herself up to get to this point and in with the same with the girl in, in squid game where it's like she had to look after her brother and she wants to get him back and she had to harden herself Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always more sad when it when it's a child who's had to like do that mm-hmm. when they've had to grow up so quickly and they've had to like harden themselves to the world and like separate themselves because that's the only way they know how to be sure they're going to be protected is if they're doing it. Um, and so I think there's also that like, and I I honestly think if if you're making a film that's like kind of this, this despairing like teen thing where they're in like moral peril like uh, uh moral no like uh like in peril and like real mm-hmm. danger i feel like it it's a film that you'd you'd automatically go to mm-hmm. um there's so much there and like i said earlier there's so much texture there's so many layers it's such a well-crafted well-written film just not not for the story but for the characters and considering it doesn't really start you with like a load of backstory or start you with like a huge setup that it launches you right in the fact that it gets you like quite early on mm-hmm. in like really invested is a testament to like how well made it is or how well observed it is so i think it's a touchstone or a starter po- point for 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 a lot of for a lot of filmmakers probably mm-hmm. i i imagine it would be um, thank you so much for for your time and for your insight on on Battle Royale. And before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to mention about the film that we haven't covered in our conversation? Um, I just want to, uh, yeah, I think it's actually a right time for it to come back when we're seeing shows like uh-huh. like Yellow Jackets, like Euphoria, mm-hmm. even. Um, and just the way that every other week there's a piece in the paper about how like millennials or Gen Z are ruining everything. Mm-hmm. It feels like quite a ripe time for it to come back into like the social. I, I want to imagine that people are about like, oh, it's a good time for people to rewatch it if they haven't watched it or for a while or if they've never seen it to see it for the first time. Because it is that thing of like um, feeling kind of abandoned and lost, like especially with the governments we have in place like now. <laughs> like for young people it 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 definitely feels it still feels quite modern and Mm -hmm. quite resonant resident and 
what am I saying? Resonant, oh my God, um, as, a, <laughs> as a story and as an idea. And I feel like as a teen, I think it definitely affected me more seeing it as a teen because it feels like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially now, I think there's a reason that we're getting these shows again because there's something there that needs to, like a hole that needs to be filled or something that needs to sh- be shown of like, yeah, actually we're also having a really fucking hard time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a teen, obviously, but um, do you need that like generational thing of being blamed for stuff that isn't your fault and no one considering the fact that you're actually already trying really hard, but you're still a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids now are being blamed for like having too much avocado toast. That's why your life's shit. You, dr- you have far too much avocado toast. That's why you have no money. That's why you can't buy a house. Um, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the with the economy or no, coming into the workforce. The, the decisions of the yeah. generations before you. Nothing to do with the government or how they're running things or the money they're taking away from programs. Or it's your fault. And I think that's why these shows are getting so much traction now. And I think Battle Royale. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. And if you've seen it before, you should rewatch it because it's really actually apropos for the the time we're in. Damn fucking right. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was really fun. I love that film. And where can people find more of your work online? You can follow me on um, at Isaura underscore BB. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> every time. Every t- <laughs> um, <laughs> on Twitter, um, uh, I put anything I write or um, doing, I put it up there. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Sarasaris. You can also read my monthly column on the Final Girls website under the Bloody Women heading. Um, I have a column every month called Bloody Perfect, which is about my favorite horror scenes. And also at the moment, I'm an actor as well. You can watch me in Toast of Tinseltown on iPlayer, um, playing actually a kind of parody of a, a Manson girl. So it's, what? It's very apropos. You yeah. did not tell oh, me that. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing's like kind of like there's a bit. There's a couple of episodes where it's kind of on parodying a Manson girl. I'm called Snorky, which is obviously a very great name for me. Um, so I'm I'm very smiley, creepy hippie girl. Yeah, I'm in episodes four and five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't Why see do them. I'm from me? Aiden Turner and Matt Berry. <laughs> but yeah, I'm in episodes four and five. Um, they're all on iPlayer. I, I think the episode, if you're watching it on TV, episode four is on the 25th of January. Oh my god! So, okay, yeah, I gotta hang up and go TV. watch this. <laughs> yeah, you'll see me there. Um, yeah. So oh my god, it. I'm excited to see you on my TV. <laughs> I look great. I'm a huge fro. I'm just, I just smile the whole time. Just, yeah, which is a great cover because I was like laughing at Matt Barry the whole time. So it's very convenient <laughs> that my character just had to be kind of this grinning idiot the whole time. So, but um, yeah, it was very fun. And it's, they're very fun episodes. The whole series is very fun. My parents made me watch all six episodes the minute they dropped on iPlayer. So I've seen them all. So cute. It's very funny. But yeah. So that's where you can find me. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Anna.